Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is Brian Kazaska. Happy New Year, Ben. Happy New Year. Wow, it's 2023. Oh, boy. I I don't want to start. I'm, I'm going to forget and just put 2022 on everything. Yeah, I, for a week or two. You know, yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't believe it's a new year, Ben. Yes, but you know what? We're not done. We are still continuing our best of of last year. So we are, you know, we 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 can still reflect on the past year for another day or so, you know? Yeah, it's early. 2023 is a brand new year. We hope we have um, brand new, exciting moments in the Twin Peaks community. We hope to have more surprises for everybody who listens to the show. Uh, we're still going to try our best to put out one show a month. Yeah, that's pretty um, good. And our, yeah. uh, we're tired, but you know, we still love Twin Peaks, and uh, there's still things going on. There's still things. There's still rumors out there, and maybe something will come true. And you never know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll just make it up as we go along, you know. Yeah, like we, yeah, it, it's it's fun that way. Um, but Ben, you know, it's interesting because 2023 was the seventh anniversary for Did our say podcast. 23? Oh, see? Oh, man, I'm messing up. <laughs> wow, now we are living in the future here. I know, yeah. 2022 was the seventh anniversary of our podcast. Wow, we've been doing this for a while here. Seven years, Ben. That is something, isn't that? It's crazy. That's I don't know where the time went. It's It's been so much fun. I can't believe it's been that long, though. It is crazy that we put a book out and that we've been doing this show for almost two years over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and you know, it's weird. We we were very hectic when we did a week to week, and then when we retired, and we were doing these specials, it has been nice to do the shows on a Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. from our homes, having yeah. people zoom in. And it is a new world, and it's not. I mean, we do miss seeing each other, but yep. honestly, sometimes this is like, in my opinion, more relaxing. We're not like, oh my god, we got to get out. Oh my God, the studio is going to close. Oh True. my God, I lost my keys. I, you know, like there's so <laughs> many things that have gone wrong when we were in the studio. Yeah, I, you're right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there is something to be said that we can kind of do things on our own time and we can do it. If we wanted to, we could do it at midnight. We could do it whenever right. we feel like it. We don't have that. I still miss seeing you and there's still that same. Yes. I don't think you, it ever feels the same way, you know, going through a computer here, but it, it's still, you know, it's great that we can, no matter what we, we can do it. It was awesome. Right. Totally. I totally agree with you. But the one thing that was very cool and Ben, I'll let you tell everybody more about behind the scenes and how this all came about, but John Thorne had wrapped in plastic. He happened to have all these old recordings just sitting there. And he just like, I'm going to digitize them. And there was, uh, I think you reached out, but I'll let you explain how that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for a while I've heard about how Wrapped in Plastic magazine had these uh, tapes still of their interviews they did with Twin Peaks actors. And John Thorne had just decided he, you know, it was time before they the tapes kind of get destroyed or something happens that he's going to try to transfer them to a digital format. And it was him that came to us that John was like, he could have done on his own podcast. He could have 
you know, but he decided, hey, that he felt like the right place. And he he says all the times that he, he, he really likes what we've done and, and like, you know, and that he wanted to just share this with with the community. So, yeah, he said that he would let us uh, have portions of the interviews that we could share. So we got to t- we got to listen to Don Davis interview. And what was the other one? We got Frank Silva yeah. for Bob there. Both we got, we got two interviews from the Wrapped in P- Plastic archives that we got to share. And and at the same time, I thought it was a great time to be able to share with the community that John was working on a book that is now out. Ominous Whoosh, A Wandering Mind Returns to Twin Peaks. John Thorne, all new book. And it's so exciting. I hope everybody by now has read it. If they haven't, it's a good time now to pick it up. I mean, I always love the winter where, you know, you mm. get to sit sit back and, you know, stay inside while it's cold outside and just uh, read a good book. And this is this has got to be one of the best of the year, John Thorne's book here. It truly is. Now, last show, I said Scott Ryan's is one of my favorite books uh, of the year. That is more personal stories. And right. I want to say that John Thorne, this is like right up there as well. It's one of the best as well. And I think both can be the best because this is best on a different level. This is theories and covering um, the return. Every and, part of return. The yeah, every, yeah. Originally, I thought it was just going to be like, okay, you're going to come up with t- share theories about the return. No, he covers every single part. Right. To go through each one of those and have some, you know, antidotes and, and some opinions about. I love it. I just think it's great. Definitely, and I hope we can do more. I have to reach out to John. I mean, now that it's a new year, I feel like, I mean, with us only doing one show a month, we usually have, you know, we don't have as much time sometimes to get around to it. But I would love to go. I'm, I will reach out to John soon and see if he'd be interested in doing some more of these uh, Raptor Plastic Archive interviews. I would love it. And I think the audience would love it, too. I think we got a lot of great reception um, when we first put it out there. Um, so let's hope 2023, John Thorne wrapped in plastic. We join forces again. We get some recordings from the archives. That would be fantastic. And we're putting it out there in the universe. So hopefully it comes true, right? That's what I right. say. Put it out there and hopefully uh, it will happen. Also, last podcast, we had Emily on. And at the same time she was starting her podcast, Colin James was starting his podcast. So we got two brand new Twin Peaks related podcasts in 2022. Uh, Colin James put out his show called Cream Corn in the Universe podcast. Great podcast, and, and right, they keep yeah. they keep they keep Twin Peaks alive, right? They keep, yes. keep the 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 fandom and the excitement for this show alive by by creating new content. Right, his is weekly, and he he has a guest on from the community from another show, another whatever, a writer whatever it doesn't matter he has someone on and they will deep dive a character and it's really fascinating so i like hearing different opinions he always has a different co-host i think it makes the show fresh i think it makes it it's always interesting to hear what he has to say he's super sharp when it comes to twin peaks stuff he references so many things i was like oh my god he'll reference us which is hmm. crazy that our yeah. podcast is being referenced he's just so good about referencing uh different podcasts and books and he's just so smart about the subject and the people on there are so knowledgeable as well so definitely check out his show cream corn in the universe podcast and subscribe to it you won't be disappointed so we're going to go into john thorne talking about his new book ominous whoosh a wandering mind returns to twin peaks and it will end with colin james's podcast cream corn in the universe 
Today, we have the one, the only, the godfather of Twin Peaks, Mr. John Thorne. I had to say it. I know we haven't said it in a long time. But um, now it's more important. Yes. There's, there's a lot of weight to this episode. I mean, there this is. show here that we have John. He's got a new book. It's like four years in the making, John. This is so excited to, to get to talk about your new book. Well, thanks, Ben, Brian, for having me on to talk about it. I really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, this is the first time I've talked about it with anyone. So uh, for better or worse, whatever that means, <laughs> you guys can <laughs> can talk to me, uh, ask me questions. How long ago was it that you put out your last book? Was it like six years ago, maybe? Or? Yeah. So the so the first book, which is The Essential Wrapped in Plastic, I kind of compiled all of the really good Twin Peaks material from the 13 years of Wrapped in Plastic into a book. That came out in April of 2016. So it's been just a little over six years since, wow. since I put that out. I'm sure the time when we had you on to talk about the book, I was like, when are you going to put out your next book? And you're <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because I think I've mentioned this to you before. Um, we were talking about the new Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks, The Return. We were calling it season three, two for a mm. while there. And you asked me, going to write about the new Twin Peaks? And I said, yes, I'm sure I'm going to write about it, but I don't know if how quickly I can do that because yeah. I'm sure it's going to be a lot to process. So six years, well, five years after the show ended. Now, finally, I have the new book out, which is called Ominous Whoosh, A Wandering Mind Returns to Twin Peaks. Uh, I don't know when this podcast will be out, but uh, it's probably the book will have been out for at least a couple of weeks by the time people are hearing this. Yeah. And on Amazon, that's the place to go to, to actually order it. it is available for order. It's in a trade paperback form right now. Um, I will be having a Kindle version out and then also a hardcover, which is really weird. There was at least one person on Twitter that was excited for the hard copy. So, <laughs> yeah, at least one person, you know, I, and, I, and I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, you know, to anyone who's listening, uh, the hardcover is like twice as much for the same thing. So, yeah. you know, buy the paperback if you just, you know, want or the Kindle, you get the same content. Again, I did a hardcover because I thought, why not? The options there, yeah. I might as well do it. And I'll get some for myself and I'll, I'll have a few probably signed copies that I can sell at some point if anyone cares about that kind of thing. So Awesome. What was it that all of a sudden there was a spark? You suddenly said, you know what? I need to sit down and start writing. Like, what was it that <laughs> suddenly made you think? It was now us. It's it was us then. It was, <laughs> yeah, right. It was you guys. You you guys cracked the whip. You said, come oh, on, no. do it. And somebody asked me this before, and I just said, you know, honestly, I, I felt compelled to write about Twin Peaks. I'd spent so many years of my life talking about Twin Peaks. Wrapped in Plastic was 13 years of work on talking about uh, Twin Peaks. It, it's part of my life. And so then there was 18 hours of new Twin Peaks. And Almost for my own sake, I felt like I needed to process it. I needed to write mm -hmm. about it to kind of try to come to some sort of terms with it. It, It's, you know, you know, it's a pretty yeah. complicated, confusing 18 hours. Kind of felt like I needed to finish the journey. That new show came on. And it, at that point, then I was only halfway done with Twin Peaks. I thought I was all done with my writing about it. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like it, I needed to do it. And I really did write this book you know, more for my sake, hoping that other people might find some value in it. Certainly kept in mind audiences who might, 
be reading this and I'm hoping that I might be able to contribute something to Twin Peaks fandom and, and research and theory, but also I just felt just a need to write about it. You know, and I got this and I, and I, and I of course start off by looking at like, how is it structured the book? And it's funny, you hinted for years how this book might be like, oh, you know, you've been rewatching uh, all the parts and all this, but in my head, I was like, okay, this is going to be a theory, all theory book. And it is actually a book where you go and you dive into every single part of of season three and, and and they have theory in there and 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 you have like you step back a little bit from time to time but i didn't realize oh wow you really did we, you, you get a, basically a chapter on every part of of season uh, three the return which i love i think that's awesome yeah i you know at first that's all it was going to be was just i was going to write my way through the 18 hours i'm going to have a chapter for every part and i started doing that and there's quite a bit of material that didn't even end up in the book because I wrote about you name the scene and I wrote something mm. about it. I wrote every scene, even if it was a minor scene like Gordon Cole and, and Diane share a cigarette in the stairwell. I mean, I wrote about it. Wow. And then later, after all that was done, I realized a lot of this, it's not contributing necessarily to my discussion of what I think the show is, is what, you know, what it's about and what it's doing. So I, I edited out a lot of, of that, but yes, I did. I went through all 18 hours and and I had some ideas, I had some theories. And as I went along, I realized those, some of those theories, some of those deeper dives needed their own chapters. And yeah. so in addition to each chapter for each part, there's eight or 10 essays that are interspersed where I take on one particular topic and kind of try to really un unwrap it. Uh, no pun <laughs> intended. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, there's a there's a chapter on Diane. There's a chapter on Audrey. There's a chapter on the core chapter in the middle of the book is Laura Palmer and what her function is in the new story. There's a chapter on Cooper's divided self and his soul. There's, you know, essays about all of this. There's an essay about communication and Lynch's theories of ideas. And those are all interspersed throughout the book. Um, you could skip those if you wanted. You could read just the 18 chapters and still mm -hmm. get the, the idea of what I'm uh, thinking, of what's happening in this story. Those essays that are interspersed just give you that extra detail on, yeah. on what I think is happening. Like each chapter, it's like so meaty, John. Um, when I listen <laughs> to In Your House Now, right? You got you and Josh and whoever your guest is sometimes it, it gets me going just thinking and like what I don't know what it is. You are just so good at painting such a great picture in your mind. You, you're such a great writer and speaker when it comes to Twin Peaks that like when I listen to that podcast, I'm like already thinking like an hour the day later. I'm thinking about what you guys talked about reading this book. It's the same way. I'm hearing you narrate the book to me. After a chapter, I need a good 10 minutes just to, because <laughs> I'm already, like, as I'm reading it, you, the, the things you're bringing out in me and my imagination and my thoughts, I have to stop. I'm like, oh my God, I just read a chapter. I'm not processing because I'm thinking about what you just brought up in that last paragraph. Yeah. So I got to reread that again because I'm lost in my own thoughts, how great you are in expressing your thoughts when it comes to this topic and how I just get lost. I get lost in what you're discussing all the time. And I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> well, I, that, 
I appreciate that. And, and you know, you're, you're hitting on something that I hope does happen, which is I'm throwing out a lot of theory and, and deep yeah. dive, but I know that it's just my, and much, much of it is just my take on it and that other people might see it differently. And right. the, the best thing that can happen is if someone's reading it and they're like, I, I just thought of something brand new. It's not in the book, but you made me think of this idea. That's the kind of stuff I like to read. I've read a lot of stuff. Um, you know, Martha Nockamson has written great stuff on David Lynch. And, uh, and there's an essayist named Tim Kreider, who I comment a little bit about in the book. And I read those those folks and I don't necessarily agree with what they're posing. Mm. But I'm like, wow, they, I just I just thought of it in a different way. If I hadn't read that, I wouldn't have thought of this. And so then right. I'm like all ready to kind of come up with my own take. So I hope that, you know, I hope that happens. I hope people don't just read it with, I'm telling you what is happening, yeah. but I'm suggesting rather, I hope they see that I'm suggesting these ideas and that you might interpret it different than I do. That's the ideal situation. Yeah. Totally. I, I, and there are times where I've listened to the podcast and in the book, I haven't gotten to that, to that yet, but in the podcast, I, there's parts where I'm like, I I don't know if I agree with what they're saying, but it's making me think of uh, different things that I would not have thought about. You know, it's, it's like assembling some pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. And if I can just show you what the pieces are, like, oh, yeah, there's some pieces I didn't see before. Then uh, I put them together this way. And but mm. you might say or a reader might say. I didn't think about those pieces. I'm going to put them together in a different way. Yeah. That is, you know, that's the hope. Well, we're at the four year yeah. wait for this. So this is awesome. Thank you, John. Yeah. Thanks you guys. Hey, thanks for giving me some time and, and, and carving out some time on your, your busy schedules. I really do appreciate it. I, I, you know, I want to people to know about it. This is the best place to go and talk about it. So, so thanks. thing with Renette is that um, I'm thinking of Dale Cooper's intro where when he's driving at Twin Peaks he talks about the girl down the railroad tracks and it seems like it just if we're just based off that having no knowledge of like Laura or anything from before that point in the pilot it seems like everything about Renette would take more precedent in some cases because you know in Fire Walk with Me she goes through pretty much all the same events that Laura does you know it's like a with uh, Jacques and Leo being taken to the train uh, mm -hmm. Then like barely surviving and just like walking for hours on end before people can see her. Uh, yeah, she shares a lot of that journey. And I think the biggest irony and maybe in cases hypocrisy in the town is that, you know, Laura, she's found dead. And it's like everyone in the in the in the whole town is just devastated. And conversely, Renette, she's still alive, but she's not really talked about. She's only just like a footnote to them. Yeah, exactly, because Ronette isn't the perfect victim. She isn't the beautiful homecoming queen. She doesn't come from a wonderful, you know, middle-class family that's big in society there. She comes from a working-class family. She isn't as well-known within the community. And if Ronette had have been the one to die, then it would have been, oh, high school girl, she was doing drugs, she was a prostitute, she died, it happens. They would have just moved on. You know, with Laura, because the, the, the outer side of her life was so perfect, it, it just um, so much more came out of the woodwork about what was going on underneath. 
Um, but we have to remember that without Ronette crossing the state line, the FBI wouldn't have been involved and we would have no Cooper. Well, we would have a Cooper, he would exist. He wouldn't have been in Twin Peaks. You know, so um, she's, she's the crux of the story right from the beginning. And I would... I suppose it's a really interesting tool for David Lynch to play Gordon Cole. And that's the whole scene with Denise where um, in The Return. And that's a really beautiful thing because what he gets to do is he gets to spell out to the audience, no, don't get this twisted. I, we brought in this character. This was done with respect. There wasn't the language that there is now. And you have no right to be offended because we mm -hmm. took this character and we you know, first trans person, well, obviously not trans, but, uh, you know, to first trans character on television as far as I'm aware. So, you know, they did a sort of huge thing with it. And I just really love the way that the whole scene with Denise and Gordon is just that they get, you know, the fix your heart to die, but they also, he gets to really spell out to the audience exactly what his intentions were. And also, there's also just the whole thing where he's not 100% down with everything. You know, the, the mm -hmm. bit where she's talking about her hormones and he's just really uncomfortable and just like, which for such a sort of ladies' man, I was like, oh, that's such an interesting moment because you're, this is not, we are so far away from the shouting um, joke of a character. This is nuanced, this is leveled, this is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's so watchable. Oh, yeah. no, I, I actually, I think um, the scene with Denise, um, I like that scene so much. I, I know everyone has the fix your hearts or die, but I think what I mm -hmm. love is that, uh, you know, it's like you said, is that, uh, is that in 1990, or I guess for, for her scenes, it would be 1991, because uh, most, most, anytime I've watched any movies or shows with a trans person, I, it was always kind of played up as a joke for the most part, or it's like it was like handled oh, yeah. in like. You ever seen? Have you seen Ace Ventura recently? Oh, my oh God. yes. Um, or the or there's that scene from Dude Where's My Car where uh, I don't know if you watched that, but even stuff like have, yes. even stuff like Nip Talk where it's like they're kind of handled in a mature way, but oh, probably yeah. not the most sensitive way. And that was like the, for me, that's the first time where I saw someone like trying to play it in a in a serious manner. But here we have Denise from 1991, like way ahead of its time, at least 20 years. I would say closer to 30. And the things that yeah. David Duchovny is so good in that role that uh, yeah. I remember when I did my last rewatch of season three, I thought to myself like, you know, if David Duchovny, if he if he had the schedule. I would have been totally cool with Denise effectively replacing Tammy in terms of like, you know, Cole, Albert, and Denise, where, you know, they've, you know, they've been, Cooper's been missing for 25 years and they're all coming back together to find him. Since we're talking about Dr. Jacoby, I kind of figured that he's one of those characters where he is likable, but there's also a lot of things to not like about him all at once. And I think the, if we're going to start with the most unlikable aspect, I think of the part in the missing pieces where it's pretty irrefutable that in his case that there is a very inappropriate romance that he feels towards Laura because uh you know in the show he presents it as if uh actually even the secret diary where uh Laura she spots that he has feelings for her and that he likes the quote unquote two Lauras and so when they talk in the missing pieces you know he's uh he's asking for a tape and he wants to have a kiss and it's it's just it's just it just showcases that there's a more than creepy undertone with uh, with Jacoby. 
Yeah, he's definitely been on a path of, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's exactly redemption, but like there's there's a certain amount of that he started out as. And uh, yeah, yeah, I am not, I'm not a, I'm honestly, I don't think I'm that much of a fan of the character <laughs> up until season three because of stuff like this. I mean, he's, he's a really complicated dude because mm-hmm. like he seems to know his stuff, but then, you know, it's always for these ulterior motives, it seems like. And actually, this is one I've only brought up a few times, but the first time I watch it, when she says Bob has been having his way with me since I was 12, I don't know if you watched Gerald's game, but uh, there's a there's a scene where Carla Gugino, she's reflecting on after her 12th birthday, where she has a pretty inappropriate encounter with her father, and the thing is that she talks about how she theorizes that that after her 12th birthday, she had her period and it set him off. And uh, this is something I think because I know a lot of people feel very strongly about the there is no Bob, it's just Leland or Bob is possessed by Leland. But that was a, that was a certain factor that uh, I thought of that probably adds a certain degree of credibility that it is just Leland because, you know, especially since Ray Wise, he also views it in the same sentiment as well. I've always thought there was, especially like after season three of Twin Peaks, like I think Bob is real, but I think it's more like inside of Leland. So she's seeing Bob's true face. And like, I know there's all the theories that like she uses Bob so she doesn't have to put together that it is her father. But I think on some level she sees the true face because like when she's over with Harold and she has that moment where she says fire walk with me and you get the glimpse of like the dead, like dead looking Laura and like, I guess demonic for lack of a better word. And it seems like Jacoby's very selective because it's it shows in pretty much all media that Jacoby's kind of burned out and passive in his role, but he sees something in Nadine and how mm-hmm. like uh, the fact that she doesn't have that eye. But uh, he talks about how he even entertains the idea that her losing the eye was deliberate because uh, of how it affects her brain. So he says that he speculates if it's deliberate, and if so, that she deliberately shut down a pathway to her intuitive side. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, one thing that's worth mentioning is that her mother was manic depressive. I wasn't sure if that all this, just come, where you come from as a psychotherapist, if any of that kind of rings true to you or if it seems contradictory. Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Colin. I mean, one of the things that was so helpful about preparing to talk to you today was to go back and look at the secret history and to look at this Dr. Jacoby report and learn more about her family of origin history. So when I wrote Run Silent, Run Drapes, What Nadine's Story Teaches Us About Trauma Loops, Trauma Healing, and Trauma Recovery on 25YL, I hadn't gone back to look at her family of origin history, and I'm really glad that I did. To learn about her mom, for example, who is manic depressive, which is, we used to call it that now, it's called bipolar experience. It's the same thing. And that really aligns with some of the behaviors that we see in Nadine. We know bipolar is, there's a genetic predisposition for bipolar experience. And when we see Nadine's kind of manic energy, expansive energy, high highs, and also her really low lows, her depression, her, you know, attempt to die by suicide attempt, that we see that manifesting in her as well. Also a little bit of a maybe predisposition for like a psychotic experience of of a delusion of 
you know, believing that she's back in high school, which is awesome. So I think like, I love that part. I love her going back in time, uh, which I'll say more about, but, you know, learning about the history there of her mom's mental health and also her dad's alcoholism was really important too. So here's a home environment that is really, really unstable for Nadine. Thank you, Colin James. And, you know, it was great to see him at, at the Spooky Empire event that I went to uh, way back in October there. That was another one that sometimes just being able to run into people and hang out a little bit. It was fun. to. I think uh, yeah, I believe I was sitting right next to him during the panel, too. So we got a little bit of time to talk and a great podcast. Go check it out. Go subscribe. Cream Corn and the Universe podcast. So, Ben, this year, well, 2022, I should say. Uh, was the year that David Lynch rumors hit the apex and it was like intense. I was just like, no way, not these can't be true. And then the Hollywood reporter decided to all of a sudden report on tweets or if, if Hollywood reporter said it's true. It must be true. Yeah, right. Well, now we know it is not. Not only that I think it was true because a Hollywood Reporter said it was true. My wife had heard about it, too, which like, you know, my, my wife does not. She likes Twin Peaks and all and David Lynch, but she's not like heavily like looking for this stuff every single day. So when right. she said it, it was like, wow, it's you know, it's out there. It must be true. And I was like, you were texting me. I'm like, I don't believe it until I hear from David Lynch. I do not believe any of this. But I people, really did believe it. People were riled up. I and was. I don't blame anybody for getting riled up because the Hollywood reporter had reported on this about Sundance, that there was going to be a mysterious David Lynch movie. They fit him in just so he could so we could see it. Yes, I know. It was, it was a big deal. It was showcased. Yeah. Well, he might funny, win an award for this. He might win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is they got this reporting from a Twitter user that oh. had no that had no clout that there was no um you could not you could not look into this at all it was just a oh, oh my you know, gosh they didn't do their homework that's no. not reporting it was it was a slow day at the uh, you know yeah <laughs> it was a slow day for them so they was like oh what can we find let's go to social media this right. person says this let's just run with it yeah let's not look into it let's not actually get evidence that it's happening because that you just call sundance up and say listen this is a rumor. Can you confirm? And if Sundance is like, we can't confirm, well, then maybe something's up. But yeah. if Sundance is like, no, this is not real, then then you can report on that. But they didn't do that. And it really turned everybody got really excited for the possibilities of Twin Peaks season four, maybe a Twin Peaks related movie. Right. Um, Unrecorded you know, nights. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was unfortunately it was bogus. Uh, David Lynch's people, they put a statement out saying this is not true um, because I think it was getting a little out of hand. It was out of control. I'm sad to see everybody so disappointed. And I'm hoping we will get something more than a weather report in 2023, you know, but I don't know. It's tough. Lynch is old. Pandemic didn't help. I, I don't know. Will, do, do you, what's your prediction for 2023? Do we see something from Lynch other than a weather report in a... Uh, number of the day well you know he's going back into acting again here did you hear about this he is in spielberg's new movie the favorite right. yeah yeah that's something i mean i like it. right Came which by now it would be out it, it, it yeah. became nationwide on november 23rd yeah 
So, um, yeah, I want, I honestly want to believe that something from Lynch comes out like, or that he announces either a a TV project or a film Mm. project or something. I feel like this, this feels like a good year. I feel like pandemic is better. We, you know, we've, you know, I feel like I'm predicting before the end of this year that we will get an announcement for a new David Lynch project. I don't know what it is. I I I don't believe it's going to be Twin Peaks related. There's just too many complications right now for that. I feel like I don't know. I just don't feel like I don't know. I don't get the sense that that Mark Frost came together and they're going to make a new Twin Peaks. I would love it, but it doesn't feel that way. No. And I mean, that was a long process. So for him to do that, that's another long process. Although he did say it could take five years to, I mean, he originally said when it first, when, when the return ended, he said, "Well, it would take several years, like it took this time." Yeah. So it has been five years, five years since uh, the return ended. So maybe all this time they've been working on Twin Peaks and we didn't know about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, Kyle is now in a new show. He's on the Fallout series on. Ah, oh, that's right. I'm intrigued yeah. by that. Based on the video game, right? Yes, that's why. Yes. I mean, I'm sure they're having him do the cons. Because it's going to help promote the new Fallout series. Awesome, very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm a, I really like the Fallout uh, video game, and uh, I would like to see. Hopefully, that's a good show there. Yeah. But you know, you know, if we can make it a, a Twin Peaks movie, uh, Carrie Page and, and and Cooper there go on a new adventure together. You know, it would be great. I love it. Great. So we'll see. Here's to the new year. To the new year. And more David Lynch rumors. <laughs> Uh, we're going to go into the next clip. Um, our friend uh, Cameron uh, Clotier, which I believe I said correctly, he put out his fan movie, Queen of Hearts, a Twin Peaks fan film uh, this year. He put it out in three parts. Uh, then he put the whole thing together. We actually had him on at the end of the year of 2022. It was an interview a long time coming. Uh, it was great to have him on the show. I mean, Cameron's been doing so much great work that he's been doing on Obnoxious and Anonymous, which is the YouTube channel that he does. I mean, if he is a whisper of something, he will give like special announcement and he'll he'll put a he'll put a show out there. And I, I love that. I do subscribe to that channel. And I love when he when he does some new things. And he's got great guests on the show all the time. Joel has been on there before. I right. Mean, right. Take the Ring has been on there a lot. I think he does a lot of good work. So I would definitely check out his YouTube channel. And, you know, we've got this clip of him on our show. We do. And following said clip, you're going to hear from friends of the show as well. Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen, David Lynch podcast. Maya Atkins and Christian Cabrera, a fantastic podcast. You'll hear a little clip they sent us for all of you to listen to. And we'll be right back after that. We have Cameron Kluth here from Obnoxious and Anonymous, his YouTube channel, with his film Queen of Hearts, a Twin Peaks fan film. Cameron, it's been a long time coming. How is it going? Uh, it's it's nice to be done with the film. <laughs> <laughs> Are you because, really ever done with anything? I mean, like, <laughs> well, you know what? To be honest, that might be correct because uh, my wife and I took a uh, sort of hike near an area where I shot one of the sequences. And I realized that I didn't credit that location in the in the, in the in the special thanks. So I went back like that night and added it in. So there's like one extra credit that needs to be put back into the film. That's great. Uh. <laughs> but at least, but I told myself it's not a person, 
and it's right. not it's not a piece of music. So I think I can yep. get away with it. So right. right. Well, this is pretty. This is like an epic four hour Twin Peaks fan film. I mean, it is something else. I remember thinking like, oh, I'll wait for you know it all to be put together. And Cameron, you and I were messaging back and forth. It's like you know, it's four hours. Like whoa, what? I was like thinking, oh, you know, it's a feature film. I mean, I've done some like just a little bit of feature film stuff that were like for college and stuff. It's like oh, it's gonna be an hour and a half, maybe two hours. It's like no, this is four hours i mean that is a lot of work to put into that it wasn't meant to be i'll 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 be honest with you um i kind of because the script is i believe the script's 98 pages and so i thought okay it's gonna be roughly around maybe like a fire walk with me length yeah and then of course you add in those twin peaks pauses right and that's gonna (laughs) carry it over uh also we had uh 150 scenes in the script. Now, obviously not all of them were filmed because of the pandemic, but Mm. obviously a good chunk of them were. So if you take 150 scenes and even if one of, you know, every scene is two minutes, that's going to be a five hour film. The fact that we got it down to about 345 with credits that takes it to four, you know, it's kind of the El Mariachi of Twin Peaks films, you know, because it's pretty fast (laughs) in terms of like the speed. I love like the history of how this came about. Like everybody, you know, uh, of our age saw firewalk in the theater i was a huge fan obviously of the of the series uh been you know couldn't wait to see firewalk with me saw it in the theater and there was i mean i, I really enjoyed it as i said to john thorne the other day i had a few st- few sticklers and because i was you know i'm kind of a continuity person uh but uh but I really enjoyed the film overall. And I think I really love it now that the missing pieces are out. And mm. especially if you can see the full fan cut right now, yeah. like that to me is like the, you know, that is what David Lynch intended the film to be, but he couldn't do it because of the theatrical runtime. But uh, anyway, so I saw, of course, the scene of Annie giving Laura the message. And I thought that is really a bold choice. Uh, because if you, you know, look at her character in the series and she's this former nun, you know, suicidal ex nun, right. Uh, you know, it's like, how bad does the world have to be with Mr. C out there? Or I consider the doppelganger at that time. How bad is it going to be out there in the world for her to have to go back in time? Uh, you know, as some people equate it as a dream sequence. I kind of look at it as her going back in time in some way to give uh, Laura this message. I thought, wow, that's, it's gotta be really bad out there, you know, for somebody who like, you know, is gonna defy time and space, who, you know, believes in God and the universe and all that. And then the ending of Fire Walks Me with Laura and Cooper in the red room and thinking how bittersweet that they're trapped in this horrible place, Mm. but they're safer in there than they are out in the world, right? So I thought, wouldn't it be cool so a few months later, I'm sitting with some friends and they said, you know, if you ever got into a room with Mark Frost and David Lynch, now keep in mind at this point, you know, they were still doing on the air together and all that. Right. So mm. uh, the assumption was that they were going to continue being partners. Uh, you know, what would you pitch to them? And I had never really thought about it. And then it kind of reminded me of that moment in Fire Walk with me. And I thought, you know, it'd be really great to tell the story of Annie Blackburn postseason two, how she got to Laura, but also um, cross that with uh, Wyndham and Caroline, because obviously in the second season uh, finale, there's this, you know, with Cooper and the, and the, and the black lodge, there's Annie and Caroline are interchangeable. 
Mm. Right. And it's all, and Annie was kind of set up to be sort of the redemption arc for the Caroline thing anyway. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to kind of take a sort of a Godfather two approach and tell both stories where, you know, Annie's going to get to Laura Cooper and Caroline Whittemore, all that tragedy, but it's going to culminate in both women in the black lodge, looking at each other, wearing the same dress. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought that would be kind of a cool thing. And that is where it stopped. Right. I thought I, I kind of just made a mental note, like that'd be really cool. Never thought in a million years I would do it. Never even pursued to doing it. Never wrote the script, anything. So we get to season three and uh, I'm like very excited. Cause I'm thinking they're, they're going to, they're going to deal with Annie and some, they have to. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, even Lynch. That. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, David Lynch, even on, in his, in the book, Lynch on Lynch, he mentions Annie visiting Laura. Mm. Um, he mentions the fact that it would be like, I think he says something like if, if someone in the twenties mentioned Lee Harvey Oswald or something like that. So I knew that was on his mind. So I thought, okay, we're going to, we're going to deal with this in some way, some form. And we kind of got that scene with Hawk and Truman and where Hawk doesn't even remember how many diary pages there are because he's completely off on his count. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, and then of course, you know, the, the yellow pages uh, that, you know, that Laura obviously had to write Annie's thing on that because she already gave her diary to Harold Smith. So it couldn't be included. Right. Right. So I kept thinking, okay, Heather Graham is going to be one of those people that it was not on the cast list that is going to show up. Yep. And then she didn't show up. So I started thinking, okay, well, cause um, uh, I think soon after season three, ended thor omni came out with the summer house at pearl lakes yeah right? really good. and and it was like i think it was like a five minute the first one was like a five minute short i think it was roughly around that and a friend of mine said you should check this out and i was like i i didn't know thor and i still don't but i mean i didn't know of him and i didn't know the film i knew someone told me it uh at one at like the twin peaks fest i think up in up yeah. in washington when it was when the fest was there and so I looked at it and I was like, yeah, you know, this is something you can do now because obviously technology is cheaper and doesn't look like, I mean, no offense to Inland Empire. It doesn't look like that anymore. Right. I yeah. mean, you can kind of yeah. get HD. And so I thought, okay, well, that would be an idea. And so I started floating around the idea on my channel. Cause I was, like you said, I was doing daily, if not weekly videos, cause we were yep. still coming down off that season three high still trying to figure out what the heck some of it meant, right? If anything, even if it just, what did it mean to us personally, if not what it actually means? And I thought, anyway, so I started flowing this idea, like, what it, should I do this? Wouldn't it be, you know, I thought this is going to be a little bit more expensive than than what Thor did. Um, and okay, people kept, do you have a video production background? For some reason I thought you did. Do you? I, I've I've done I've done films. I went to film school for a little bit, but I yeah. also worked I also worked in news. Okay. Um, yeah. So and obviously that's a completely different thing, right? Yeah. But you did learn how to shoot fast and edit fast, right? Right. You got to make that six o'clock deadline. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I uh, uh, anyway, so people kept encouraging me like you should really do this, and I thought okay, um, and then I got wind that the final dossier was coming out. Mm-hmm. And there was going to be a subject on Annie Blackburn. And I thought, okay, well, this is where this movie idea stops. Because I know a lot of people out there would say, well, well it's your story. You do what you want. Yeah, but I'm 
I'm a stickler for this kind of stuff. I am not going to do something that is going to trample on what Lynch or Frost, even individually, mm. are doing. Mm. So if if Frost had 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 written something, I don't know about Annie, that completely I couldn't do anything with, this movie would not exist. So anyway, the final dossier is coming out, and I'm thinking, oh my god, this is where it's going to stop. And it comes out, and it talks about how um, Annie is in the hospital. And she's in there for one day and she's talkative and then she goes completely silent. Hmm. And I was like, well, I kind of need her to get out of the hospital. That's kind of, you know, uh, but, but Frost says she stays in the hospital and I, and then it, and then it dawned on me. Yeah. But if I can move all the speaking scenes to one day, so like her talking to Major Briggs, her talking to Norma, her talking to the doppelganger instead of being spread out. Cause originally my story was going to be, she got out of the hospital and was staying with the doppelganger in the hotel room and, mm. then, and then realized that this wasn't Dale Cooper and she had to get out of there. But season three had set up this timeline where pretty much the day after uh, that, uh, the, you know, Cooper came out or the doppelganger came out of the lodge that he confronted Major Briggs and left town. Mm. So I knew I had to have that timeline. And then I thought, OK, well, if she's talking for one day. Great. Then that fits that timeline. It fits everything. But she's in the hospital forever, like kind of just quiet. And I thought, you know what? We're going to tulpa her. And that's what yeah. I did. And so that way it fits in with the final dossier. But then I'm still able to tell my story. And I think I, you know, I was uh, constantly showing pictures while the while I was editing the film of Annie in the hospital. And people are saying, how are you going to have a protagonist where she's just comatose in the hospital? Yep. And then once they saw the film and saw what I did, they realized you bastard like you know i can't believe you <laughs> but it just it just made perfect sense right that right. you could just do that especially since she was kind of in a um you know a terrible state after dealing confronting the doppelganger i mm. thought well that's where the tulpa is going to be comatose and, <laughs> and like uh and, and frightened um so anyway uh yeah so i didn't think anything of it and then and then again the final dossier came out i, I figured i could do this so i started doing the uh, campaign and um, well, first thing I want to say uh, because there's been some misconceptions out there, but is that the first person I even reached out to prior to even doing the campaign and uh, was Sabrina Sarlin, you know, she basically wrote back and said, thank you for telling me. I can't wait to see this. Good luck with it. You know, from what I've heard, you know, I haven't got an official confirmation from anybody in Lynch Frost Productions who has seen it, but I have heard that uh, that probably many of them have seen it, and uh, you know, so that's that that makes me happy. Cameron, it was great having you on the show. Do you want to plug uh, the movie? You want to say where oh, yeah. people can follow you? So, Queen of Hearts, Twin Peaks fan film. You can find it on the Annie Blackburn YouTube channel, and you can follow me uh, on. YouTube channel, Obnoxious and Anonymous. Hello, welcome to Manners and Madness. My name is Maya. And I'm Christian. And we are a Jane Austen, David Lynch podcast. And yes, you heard that right. Jane Austen and David Lynch. No, it's a little bit of an odd pairing, but it really works for us. We've come to find yes. out. <laughs> they somehow go together. We really want to thank Ben and Brian and Twin Peaks Unwrapped for giving us this opportunity to share a podcast with you. 
Yeah. And so you'll hear two clips from some of our recent episodes. The first clip you'll hear is from our season two finale of Twin Peaks. And the second is from our Halloween show for this year, Death Comes to Pemberley, which is a sequel to Pride and Prejudice and a little bit of a murder mystery. Yes. So we had a very good time with that one. (laughs) Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Did not think we'd ever get a Jane Austen Halloween special, but this is our second one. So our second one, (laughs) two years in a row. If I had one word for this episode, it would be devastating. (laughs) Yeah, it was devastating is a great word for it (laughs) because I just, well, I didn't know what to expect. We had about 20 minutes worth of Black Lodge scenes and I was like, what is happening? My brain is scrambled. (sighs) And then the ending, the ending, the ending is devastating for sure. Well, like every single scene, there's only one scene that isn't devastating in the entire episode. And I... The opening scene, right? You know, I've seen it. This is burned into my brain, like (laughs) nothing else from the show. But watching it this time, I was like, wait a minute. That's all there is, like five scenes in this whole entire... Yeah. Episode? I I guess because it, I think it was released back to back with Mr. Peaks. Yes. Yeah. So I guess my brain remembers the whole thing as one (laughs) long episode, but like just watching it on its own as one episode, I was like, it's like there's nothing to this episode except for blow after blow after blow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like it's cliffhangery without being like so intentionally cliffhangery. Like it, I could see it definitely like before the, 25 years later came out, which I'm like, I know the significance of 25 now. Uh, (laughs) I could totally see it just coming to an end. And you kind of, you know, you get your ending without getting like all the satisfaction of it, but it's like kind of, you know, devastating, like you said at the end. And I don't know. I'm like, I want there to be a season three that came out right after it (laughs) because I wanted things to keep going. Oh my God. I know. I mean, They were definitely trying to leave it so that the studio would want to pick them back up because you're like left with so much. "Ah!" And (laughs) um, yeah, the fact that they didn't is the worst thing to ever happen in history. (laughs) (laughs) In television history. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But it was. Yeah, it was devastating as a 12-year-old. It's still devastating. I still, watching it this time, had to text you, even though I didn't you know, right. say anything about it. But I was like, oh, my God, I have to talk to you about this. And then I had to call my sister and talk to her about it, even though, you know. You both have watched it. Familiar with what <laughs> <laughs> well, it's such a, an episode that you kind of need to talk about it because so much is happening. And they're especially, like, the Black Lodge scenes are so, like, quintessential, like, absurdy David Lynch and kind of thing. Oh yeah. And that oh, like this is you such a Lynch episode. <laughs> exactly. You can't help but talk about it, even if you've seen it a million times, because it's like, am I finding out new details? I just need to talk about this crazy scene and oh god. Yeah. It was so good though. Like, <laughs> leaves you with a heartache. <laughs> yeah. Especially knowing then and knowing now that like we're never really gonna resolve it. We do have a season three, which is great and it's its own thing, but it does not make season the ending of season two feel better (laughs) you know like right you're not like oh all everything i always wanted to know it's not like that so 
it's just like this is the end <laughs> yeah and i guess you could it's like you can maybe fit it into one of those like realism kind of endings where it's like you know it's not always like realism like it's not always going to be a happy ending blah blah, blah but like it kind of with the supernatural <laughs> aspect the of it <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the supernatural aspect of it really just bumps it up to like okay the world is oh totally it's a, such an awesome episode too like the whole yeah. final red room se- sequence is like it's almost what you remember from the red room like right there was so little of it we only got it really in like what two episodes yeah out of the whole series and this is like the biggest chunk we've ever had of it and right so much theorizing and lore has been basically built probably upon just this one scene and you know when fire walk with me comes we definitely get to explore it more and give it more context but like whew, it's yeah. just <laughs> i can't wait to talk about it because me too it's so crazy <laughs> yeah it was uh, yeah Yeah, it was really crazy. Oh, I wrote, this is really beautiful. Well, that's Beverly, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was like, when she got dropped off at their cottage, it was like this fairy tale cottage where she has to hop across on some stones across the river Mm -hmm. to get to the front door. And I was like, where are we? Yeah. And when she's leaving, she's following this really pretty river. And then mm-hmm. she sees a ghost. <gasps> or is it a ghost? <laughs> but not really a ghost. Just uh, a cat. A cat lady? She hissed at her. <laughs> <laughs> I think I recognize her too, but I didn't look her up. Same. Because I kind of forgot about her by the time I was doing the IMDb. Which means she's probably the killer. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the motive? <laughs> Who is she? But that's when things start to get spooky mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to, at the end of every episode, I'm going to be like, this is my guest on this episode. Okay. And, well, I guess for the next two episodes, because by the third one, we'll know who did it. But I get, my guest for this episode is Colonel Fitzwilliam. He's very suspicious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, it could, it could be Elizabeth. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, of all the people. <laughs> it could be a uh, little bastard Fitzwilliam. <laughs> you never know. It could be Jane hiding in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for ruining my sisters. <laughs> I'm definitely, though, going to say that this ghost woman will be playing into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see what that's all about. This feral yep. woods woman. We don't start with a ghostly woods woman and not, you know. It's mm-hmm. Chekhov's Ghost in the Woods. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I do. I am interested to see where we go with that storyline, just because I'm like, it has to play into the murder. So yeah. let's see. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that now you are enticed to come try out a full-sized episode or two with us. Yes. And for next year, for 2023, Manage the Madness, it's kind of up in the air. Yeah, we don't know exactly what we're doing, but there's still so much stuff to cover. On the David Lynch side, there's 
we've got hotel room. We'll probably do that next year. We lost highway. I know we'll probably do that next year. Mm -hmm. We want to do industrial symphony number one and the art life. And there's just still a ton on the David Lynch side to cover. Not to mention all of Twin Peaks season three and Firewalk. We still have a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Plenty. And on the Jane Austen side, there's also countless options still to yes. cover. Plenty of adaptations, plenty of books left to read. So we've only just touched the surface. Yes. And uh, we've been a podcast for about three years. And as you can see, there's plenty more to cover. So we've definitely got a lot in store going forward. And sometimes we just like to throw in some curveballs, you know, to keep things a little bit fresh, a little interesting, might be inspired by, might be inspiration to these two auteurs. Yes. So we really want to thank you, Ben and Brian, again. And thank you all for listening. And we hope that you'll come check us out at Manners and Madness on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Bye. So that's from Manners and Madness clip there. And, uh, you know, Maya is one of the unseen players that she does a lot of the the recordings of unseen uh, movies or our Twin Peaks. And she recently did the unseen Firewalk With Me scenes. And uh, shout out to Maya and, of course, to all the other unseen players. I love the great work that they do. They, They take the script that I give them about these scenes. They put their own twist on it and their own, you know, just who they are. And I just love everything that they've done. And I really thank them for their time and for doing this for our shows for all this time. I keep hoping somehow we'll get, (laughs) we could get it. We could get the, the return season three script. If we could get that, would there be any scenes? A lot of times, you know, honestly, they say there is nothing really there that they really used up everything that was in the script pretty much in the show. So there is no, there is no more missing pieces there's nothing there's no more twin peaks scripts uh, but we've had so much fun over the years doing this we've been doing this for for several years and i just want to say thank you to the unseen players for all your time and 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 being willing to do this with us it's been so much fun oh yeah they do such a great job ben uh and ronnie rocket was awesome we did that last yeah that was last year's special right we did our best of year what are we gonna do in 2023 what can we possibly do i mean we're running out not done uh uh, one saliva bubble is there a script for that there's a script there might be two scripts there's at least one script well then i think that's Maybe that's next year. Let us know. uh, You know, reach out to us, email us, DM us. Tell us that would you guys be interested in a show on One Saliva Bubble? Ben, I really think we should do it. If we did Ah. Bonnie Rocket, we got to do One Saliva Bubble. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. All right. Well, uh, Ben, you know, we're coming to a close. I did tease this. A long time ago. Now, is this inappropriate of us to be sharing this? This is like a side thing. The, the people are going to think that we're, we're pretty bad people, that we go around trying to steal uh, guests from other podcasts. Well, I feel we should have, there should be a transparency out there. And, you know, people did hear Scott. You know, you had time. Listen, if you haven't, pause right now. Go to Red Room Podcast. Listen to his mystery episode, The Mystery Guest who is Camberly Ann Cole, who played Lil. He interviewed her. The podcast really goes into depth how Stephen Miller helped find out where Kimberly Ann Cole, who she was, how to get a hold of her, and Scott did so. Well, come to find out, you know, we were on the same trail as they were. Uh, great minds think alike, as they say. 
we actually, actually, by accidently called her during said interview she was having with Scott. So I figured this would be Was a great it an accident, time. though? Uh, wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge, maybe. I don't know. So you're going to hear, we're going to end the show off with our unheard audio. And I will say this, unfortunately, I had the recording backwards. We recorded us talking to her to get her off the phone with Scott. But then when we actually went to do the interview, I hit pause. So unfortunately, there is no unheard interview, but you get to hear us trying to coax her off the phone with Scott, which is still kind of funny. And I guess that interview we did with her, she told us a lot of great information that unfortunately will never be heard. I think she had a, she had like five minute scene there where she gave all of the mysteries of Twin Peaks. Yeah, that, that she was going into detail about everything a, that like it was amazing. <laughs> like what happened to Chet Desmond? What will happen to Chet Desmond? And she knew it all. The, she knew it all about the ring and about about the monkey at the end about Judy. She gave us all the information we could ever desire. Yeah, but unfortunately, I never hit record. I hit pause. <laughs> so it was just for us. So I think that's just as good. So I hope everybody had a great new year. Uh, we'll be back in 2023 with some new new shows. It is 2023. <laughs> yeah, new episodes. We'll be back sometime this year. Yeah, we'll be back sometime this year. We hope everybody has enjoyed the last two episodes we put out for our best of Twin, Twin Peaks in 2022. We hope to have a fantastic new year. And uh, if you have a comment, question, or theory, give us an email at twinpeaksunwrapped.gmail.com. You can follow us on all social medias. Ben does Twitter. I do the Facebooks. We're, we're everywhere. Are you in, and, in the meta universe? <laughs> I'm in the meta universe right now, I think. We got to get you in VR so that, you know, if people want to chat or hang out with you, you could be in the metaverse. And Yeah, yeah. We're all in the metaverse, really. We could all be in the red room together. <laughs> That would be kind of cool. That would be cool. Podcast in the Red Room? Yes. All right. So enjoy our unheard interview, in quotes, with Kimberly Ann Cole. And we'll be back next month. See you soon. Chet, your surprise. Her name is Lil. Hi, I'm Scott. How are you? <laughs> I'm Kim. Hi, Kim. How did you track me down? Because I used a different name. Um, um, well, the funny thing is I've been searching for you for over a decade. Wow. And I could never find you. And I did this book and you're, I mean, I have a full color picture of you in the book. <laughs> so what can I answer for you? Um, well, I just figured we'd talk about how you got the part, you know, what it was like to film. Um, it was really fun to film. Uh, it was, um, David Lynch and Chris Isaac made me laugh so hard. My stomach hurt. Um, (laughs) that's amazing. And did you, did you have any idea that people were dying to find you? I mean, do you want people to know that you're you and you were in Lil? I mean, how do you feel about it? Uh, I don't mind. Um, so um, nobody's talked to you about this in all these years? No. 
<laughs> that seems crazy to me. Like people would want to meet you so badly. I mean, because that character is just, there's something about her that people just love. That's nice to hear. <laughs> um, and even with your writing, you have a book out. Um, yeah. tell, us, tell us the name of your book. It's called The Fascination of What's Difficult, A Life of Maud Gunn. It's because I'm kind of, a, uh, I have an MA in Irish studies from NYU and I got hooked by Maud Gunn. And she was connected to Yates, right? Yes, he proposed to her four times and wrote poetry to and about her for 38 years. It was an obsession worthy of a David Lynch movie. Mm -hmm. Who's calling? It's someone um, else, they're trying to scoop me. I'm being scooped. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna hold and accept. Hi, Kimberly, it's Ben. And Brian. From Twin Peaks Unwrapped, we know you're talking to Scott, but we've got so many great things, that, questions and, and things that to ask you about, about Firewalk with me. If you could just get off the phone with him, don't tell him anything and talk with us. It'll be great. Yeah. And I, I just tell him. OK, I get it. He, he we don't want him to know it's us. So could you just come up with a story? Just say we're the carpet cleaners or something like that. And, you know, just kind of don't tell him it's us because he might be upset. All right. Yeah, we'll so we'll call you like in maybe 10 minutes, or, you know, yeah. 10, 30 minutes, something like that. We'll call you back real soon. All right. Thank you. Hello. Hello. There. Hi. So I was just assuming um, it was a rival Twin Peaks podcast trying to scoop me. That's all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but everyone was in a really good mood and it was really fun to do. 10 minutes later. I got along really well with Chris Isaac, so we ended up working out together afterwards. Ah, that's nice. Did you have him sing for you? <laughs> of course. Um, and did you reach out to Kiefer Sutherland? Yes, I contacted Kiefer's people and they just passed, um, which happens uh, sometimes. Hold on one second. It's the run. Sorry. Hello? Yeah. Hi, it's the carpet person. Okay. Um, do you have more questions for me? Or no, anything? this is good. This is great. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you so I, much for doing I, this. Oh, I'm, I'm so appreciative. It brings back wonderful memories. And it was great to finally get to talk with you. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye. Market, dude. This was a valued rock. <clears throat> this was a... Uh... Yeah, man, it really tied the room together. So this was a valued... Uh, yeah. Tied the room together, dude? My rug. Were you listening to the dude's story, Donnie? So there it is, folks. That is the interview with Kim as Lil. Um, so, well, thank you. And thank you, Dugpa, for bringing us Lil. Um, and thanks, Ben and Brian, for calling in the middle of it and trying to ruin it. Real nice, guys. I support you all the time, and this is how I'm treated. I won't forget it. It's war. Red Room Podcast versus Twin Peaks Unwrapped. It's war time. Um, and happy 30th anniversary to Firewalk with me. And <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs>